touch you. And so the big question we have this morning in our series, how do you live godly in an ungodly culture? I mean, you know, we see a lot of things that are happening in our culture. The Bible's broken up in different sections. There's, there's a pro- pro- uh, poetic section. I had to slow down. I'm getting excited. There, there's also a history section, and there's a prophetic session or, where they have prophecy. And we're going to talk about in, in each of these, and what we're talking about today is really in the prophetic section, and we're talking about, you know, the days of darkness in that day, but also we're going to look at see some of the things that, 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 that how darkness is even in our own culture, how it's even in our own time, and what we face, and what we're going through. And so Daniel's a prophetic section, and the story in the book gives us life lessons how to live for the, in the last days. I don't believe we're living in the last days. I believe we're living in the last moments. And some people go, well, Pastor Bubba, is this the last days? Well, it's your last days. And so here's the thing is, you know, Daniel, really it's a book written about for about 70 years. And it's in the captivity of Babylon, which now is the country of Iraq. Okay? So this is where it was. And so we talked about, let me just do a little bit of a review. Uh, You know, we're going to talk about, you know, the end times as we go. And, And actually in the last week, I will talk about the end times. And so I'm excited about that. Part one, we talked about culture's greatest goal. The Babylonians gave Daniel and his friends different names. And what happens is culture's greatest goal for your life is to change your name. What they did is they, Daniel, Shadrach, and Meshach, and Abednego, that is not their real names. Those are names that they were renamed. It was Belshazzar, which was Daniel's name. But what they did is they perverted their God-given names. And our society is trying to rename what a Christian looks like. Our society, our culture is telling you what you can do and what you cannot do. The second week we talked about culture's greatest test. Are you going to worship God in the midst of fire and pressure? See, here's the thing. It's happening right now in our culture. They're telling us what we have to bow down to. Are y'all with me? But we can't bow down to our God. We have to bow down to what they've set up. You know, there's guys, there are places right now in the world, in our country, in, in, in our area. I'm going to say Louisiana, but in, in, in the North America that people, you can't read certain parts of the Bible. You can't preach. In Canada, there's certain things you can't preach from the pulpit in Canada. In England, there are people watching you and, and, and taking notes to see what you're saying so they can publish it in papers. I say, invite the paper. That's right. Maybe they'll get saved. You know, and so what happens is, how do you bow, you know, you had to bow down to their God, but not not your God, okay? And so we we face this. We're facing it. Look in Houston what's happened recently. You're looking in schools, and if kids go, hey, I just want to read my Bible during quiet time and study hour, and I'm a straight-A student, and they can't do it. They can't kneel down and give glory to God. There was a penalty thrown about three weeks ago to a high school kid that gave glory to God. He went down on his knee, and he went like this. They gave him a 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike. Uh, thank you for all the football players. I'm like, and you just you see some of the stuff. They let they're letting our other cultures in our schools, okay? But they're not letting what God wants to do. 
All right? So let me go on. Let me in week three, Pastor Josh talked about the culture's greatest sin. All of us have a choice to either walk in humility or pride. If we don't walk in hum- if we're not humble, just to put it this way, if you're not humble, you'll be humiliated eventually. See what happens? We think we know more about God than we really do. It's either, it's, it's, and you look at our society and the pride that we have. Hello? The arrogance that people have. And so, so this week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the very thing that causes all three of those things that I just talked about. How it tries to, re, how, the goal is to rename you. The test of, uh, uh, of being under fire and pressure. The test of, you know, if you're going to walk in humility or pride. And so this week, we're going to talk about those things. And next week, we're going to talk about the church is supposed to be a shining light in the midst of darkness. And we know this. When the things get darker, that means we shine a little bit brighter. And so and, and we're going to talk about that. And, and it's what has to happen. It's our responsibility that we rise up as lights in our society. We're going to talk about that. And then the last week, what we're going to do, we're going to, two weeks from now, we're going to talk about the Antichrist. And we're going to talk about the last days. All right? How many excited about that? All right. So let's go to Daniel chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. And then I'm going to read 6 and 7 later. But uh, King uh, Belzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. Let me just stop right there. When the Bible says they drank wine, it's really a symbol. It's It's an attitude. Okay? What it is. Let live. Just live. And, and let live. It's an attitude of arrogance. That's what it's saying right there in the Bible. It's saying we don't give a flip about anything else. We're just going to do this. And they were literally drinking what it says. They were drinking wine. All right? I just want to tell you. So all you want to know, your wine, whatever. Go Anyway. <laughs> that Belazar was drinking his wine. He gave orders to bring in the gold and the silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. So the king and the nobles, his wives and his concubines, might drink from them. So they brought the the gold goblets that they had been taken away from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines, drank for them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods, that means Gods, that means more than one God. They were praising their gods with the things that represented holiness, things that were sacred, things that were dear to God and the people that loved him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And we see that in our society. And they were doing this and, and their gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone. And then I like this. And suddenly, say it me, say suddenly. The fingers of a human hand appeared. I mean, I think about, what is it, the... The Adams family, you know, where they had the hand. I don't know what, I mean, I'd freak, you know. Appeared on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand of the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. Like, I mean, I mean, his face turned pale. He was so frightened that his knees knocked. That means his knees were having fellowship. Okay, and not only that, that together and his legs gave way. That means he fainted. I mean, all of a sudden this hand appears and it starts writing. And he goes, oh, oh. That's the real story. Okay. 
And what happens is the king called out after, he, after they revived him. The king called out to the enchanters, the astrologers, the diviners to be brought and said to these wise men of Babylon. Remember, Babylon represents the world. Every time the word Babylon is there, it represents the world system. Whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck. And he will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. When these guys brought, were brought in, none of them, listen, he brought all these guys in. You see in the picture, he brought all these guys in and they couldn't figure it out. They're like, dang, shoot, what does that mean? I've never seen writing like that. I have no idea because let me just, why, why couldn't they do that? Because all the mysteries of God, only God knows the secrets to them. Only God knows, okay? If you're ever going to figure out your life, you can't figure that out apart from God. All the, the Bible, in, in Psalms 139, it's not in your notes, but it says all the days are ordained for, for me are written in your book. That's what David's saying. He said all my days, every day you've given to me are written in your book. You know. God knows the mystery of your life. Let's go on to uh, chapter uh, 5, verses uh, 13. 16. So Daniel, Daniel was brought before the king. And the king said to him, are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father, the king, brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, outstanding wisdom. That's what we're going to talk about next week right there. All right. Wisdom. The wise men and the enchanters were brought before me to read the writings and tell me what it means. But they could not explain it. Now I've heard that you are able to give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you could read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Belshazzar offers Daniel the same deal, but Daniel begins, he says, King, I don't want your stuff. You can keep the gold. You can keep the suit. I don't want it. I don't need it. And what happens, he proceeds to give the king a history lesson. He begins to remind him. He begins to give him a history lesson, a theology lesson, and a reading lesson. And what he does is he reminds the king what happened to his predecessor, his father, Nebuchadnezzar. What happened when he, was, he became arrogant and his heart was filled with pride? He said, you remember that king? He got arrogant. He said, I'm, a, I'm above everybody. I'm great. I'm awesome. And he said, remember, Nebuchadnezzar ended up losing his sanity, eating grass like the beasts of the field for seven years. I mean, that's like you driving down and you're going to Andrews Cove, okay? Look at them sheep out there. What the heck? What's that? That's an ugly, that's a funky looking, that's an ugly sheep. No, that ain't sheep. That's the boy. <laughs> he got pride. He got arrogant. He said he thought he had the biggest tractor in all of God's Cove. Are you hearing me? Okay. And so what happens is that, you know, until you acknowledge that God was sovereign over all the earth, you have to set yourself up against the Lord. See, what happens is, is it... What, what happens is you, you have to set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. God always brings a warning to us. 
before things happen. You ever get a feeling sometimes? Things just aren't right? Okay, I'll give you. How about when you and your wife get in an argument? Do, feel, do things feel right? No one wants to say yes, y'all. Okay. Kids, teenagers, when things are right, mama's not happy and you know what I'm talking about, right? See, let's go. Daniel chapter 5, verse 23, look at this. It says, instead, you have set yourself against the Lord of heaven. God always brings a warning to solve. Because see, God doesn't want you to walk through the consequences that are going to fix and happen. So God brings a warning. God is a good God, and he's trying to help us, trying to show us before things really break loose. Are you hearing me? He's coming, and he's warning us before, hey, Get this in order. I love you. I'm trying to help you. Will you listen to me? See, he's saying the way you're living, you're setting yourself up against the God of heaven. That's what he's saying. You're setting yourself up against God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know before you knew the Lord in your life, your life was against God? Even though you didn't want it to be? Are you hearing me? I mean, we were just, how many know that we just did things? Yo, are they doing that? Oh, I'm doing that too. I'm going to do it louder and prouder. Come on. I see some of you. I know y'all was kite, can I? And he said, you had the goblets. He's telling him from this, his temple. He's saying, this is, hey, look. You, he, he, this, look at that. You need to underline that in your Bible. You have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. He's saying, you, listen, you've set yourself up against God and God himself. Then he goes, you had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your contrabands drank. That means you, just, you were living it up. You drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold and bronze and iron and wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. And here's a but. You know me when I tell you that when there's a but in the Bible, it's, it's where your but is. It's either a good but or a bad but. But you, had do, you, do not honor, you do not honor the God who holds in his hand your life in all your ways. God holds your life in his hand. How do you believe that? Amen. You need to honor him. You need to connect to the God of heaven who holds your life in his hands. You see, the writing on the wall was a warning. It's an intimate doom. It's like, hey, man, something's fixing to crack. Something's fixing to happen. And let me tell you something. Before it happens, you have an opportunity to make things right. So God, so, so this is what happens. It's a prophetic warning. It's... And he says, this is the inscription that is written. Me, me, take a parson. How many of you know God's got a sense of humor? Me, me, take a parson. What? Me, me, take a parson. All right. So what happens? What, it, what does these words mean? Me, God. Okay. Let, let me help you. Okay. Meaning means this. The days of your reign. He says, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought them to an end. You imagine if you had a warning. Hey, 
Your time's up, Jack. You either get it right or you're gone. You're gone. You're done. You see, here's, I want to talk to you about these words and what they mean. Can I do that this morning? The first, there's three warnings from the handwriting on the wall. You ever heard that handwriting on the wall? The handwriting on the wall, that's where we get this phrase from. Okay? The first thing is we forget that our days are numbered. See, we're living our lives with a limited amount of time. Your days are numbered. God's got your days. He knows. He's got a book. He knows how many days you got. Why is this important though? Anything you have a lot, a lot of, you tend to squander. You know, hey, I got plenty. I can do that. I can, you know, come on. I got four cases of shotgun shells. I don't care if I miss. I'm going to shoot till I kill something. Kill your shoulder. Anything you have a lot of, you tend to squander. Anything you have a limited amount of time, you tend to use wisely. Amen? We're living, listen, you know, they say this. You know, they have the day that you were born and the day you die. And they have the years. You know, we're living in the dash. That's the most important time of your life. It's the dash between the dates. The dash. And see, James says, says it like this. He says, our life is but a mist or a vapor. In other words, you're going to die. Can I just tell everybody this morning, every one of us are going to have a day where we die. All of us are going to die. For some of us, it's getting closer. For others of it, we say, I'm going to live it up, baby. Now, remember us. Man, all them old peoples, they, they look at them. And, you know, them, them, them young, young people, all they do is they drink that dope and smoke that beer. I said it right. You know what I'm talking about. That's all they do. You know what you call a young guy? It's called a partier. You know, what he, you know what you call a guy that's been partying when he's 50 and 60 years old? A drunk. <coughs> Hebrews says man is destined to die once and after that face the judgment. It's the truth we need to be reminded of frankly. How many of you, it, you know, how would you... How would you live your life different if you went to the doctor and he told you you have 30 days to live? We did a series one time about number, like how many days you have and what would you do different if you had a limited amount of days. How many know that you might not argue as much? You may resolve things quicker than you resolve them. There may be things that you do different. What would you do, start doing that you currently aren't doing? If you had 30 days, what would you stop doing and that you are currently doing if you had 30 days left? Whatever you need to do, you probably need to do that right now in the face of eternity and quit putting it off. Thank you for all those amens. People who have a short time to live begin to do an inventory. I remember one day, Billy and a guy, Jared, brought me to do chemotherapy. And you remember that day, Billy? And, and I said, man, there's a guy there. His name is Mr. Mouton. 
He was, a, he was a guide on White Lake, and him and I hit it off. And when I hit it off with him, the one thing I, I regretted, because I, I found out that one of the girls told me, they're not really supposed to tell you, but they told me he's done, he probably has till Christmas. And he's going to go. He's, gonna, he's not going to make it. And on the way there, I, was, I said, man, I've been praying for this guy. He's on the heart. Man, I mean, he just only has, he doesn't have much time. So I go in and do my little thing. They take my little pump thing off, whatever it was. And Billy's out there and Jerry are waiting for me. And, and, and when I'm wa- about to walk out, guess who walks in? My prayers get answered. And I just looked at them and had compassion for his wife. Because I knew she was fixing to face something. You don't plan for that. How do you make plans? And just from talking to him, can I just say it? I would just say it. He wasn't making plans with God. Does it make sense? Because our whole time we were talking about hunting, calls, we're doing that. And I was making, you know, I was working toward God, believe me. But you got to get in people's world sometime. And then they, they say, by the way, what do you do? I remember going to a gym one time, and this guy, he's just cussing and everything, and we're working out, and he goes, he goes, and I'm asking him, oh, I'm asking him a million questions, and, and I'm asking him what he does, and he tells me, he goes, oh, by the way, what do you do? I go, well, I'm a heart specialist. Really? What kind of heart specialist? Well, I'm a pastor. Oh, dog, and I just cussed everybody up and down. <laughs> just get to know your heart. And I remember just, just praying with him, talking to him, sharing with his wife. They only had days. When I got the news, what, what my diagnosis, can I just tell you something? I started thinking differently. What Josh and Lindsay are walking through right now. And fixing to go give Joel, he's fixing to have surgery. Let's just stop right now. Let's just put your hands toward Josh and Lindsay right now. They're, they're, they're going to be leaving next weekend, and they're going to be going to St. Louis to bring Joel for his surgery. And so we just want to pray that God would cover them, God would be with Joel, and God would be in this surgery with them. Father, right now, we just thank you for Pastor Josh and Pastor Lindsay. We thank you for the blessing, the mighty blessing they are to all of us. And God, right now, we just want to take this moment and God, pray for them. We thank you, God, that that you're going to cover them. You're going to be with them. They're going to sense your presence, your strong spirit with them. And Father, right now, we pray for, we thank you for these doctors that have this technology. We thank you for the things they're able to do. And Lord, right now, we pray that you would help them. There would be no complications. There would be no, no difficulties through the surgery with Joel. Then he would respond in such a way that he would have new breath, new strength, new life. And God, we just pray life, life, life over this situation. And we just pray your presence and your peace over their minds and their hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. We love you guys. And so let's get back to the story. See, you know, can I tell you something? How you know, you, I don't know if you know this, but people in South Louisiana died before anybody else in the United States. Because we have that saying, what is it? Les bon temps roulés. Let the good times roll. Okay, can I just say something? 
You know why we die sooner? Because we fry everything for breakfast, we fry everything for lunch, and we fry everything for dinner. And if we got a dessert, we'll fry that too. But we can have a good time. But listen, when we die, we're going to have a happy corpse. Come on, Shai. And Daniel, he goes, Tico means this. He says, you have been weighed in your, in, on the scales and found wanting. We let our lives get out of balance. We, we allow our lives to get out of balance. See, our, is your life adding up? What does that mean, out of balance? Well, let me, I got some things I just want maybe show you. You know, some of us can be in a dangerous place. And I know I'm kind of serious about all this, so let me just lighten this up. Can I do that a little bit this morning? Okay. We're, this is, we're spinning our lives. This is what we do. This is some practices in America. Listen. Your life, you're going to eat out 14,411 times, including 1,811 trips to McDonald's. That's why you will die. (laughs) If you eat there. You're going to spend 13 years and four months watching TV. You're going to spend five years waiting in line. You're going to spend one year looking for misplaced items. For me, three years. (laughs) Ask my wife. You're going to attend 35 weddings. For me, probably 350. You're going to drive 627,000 miles. That means 25 times around the world in your lifetime. The question is, should you do all that? Do I have to make everything that people put me to do? Some of us live by guilt. Hello. I gotta be there. I gotta be. There. What's Mama Joe gonna say? Whatever, Mama Joe ain't gonna. She gonna forget in a week. If she don't, she'll write you a nasty note and love her back. The average American is consistently trying to see how much more they can fit in. I just believe this. That's the curse of our of the last days. We're always busy, and what happens when you're busy? You have a divided life. You have stress. Why is there stress in your life? Why is there stress in your marriage? You know what? What, what are these things? And I'm gonna talk, let, me just go, let me just warn you. If you're burning the candle at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. Can I say that again? If you're burning the light at both ends, you're not as bright as you think you are. Daniel Perez means the kingdom is divided and given, okay, to Medes and the Persians. That's, his grand, that's Darius. And we're going to get together on that. And, and what happens is, is if we ignore the warning signs in our lives, you know what happens? Look, you have warning signs. You, they're, they're, they'll destroy you, like your health, if you don't listen to the warning signs. If you have stress, you feel things in your body. Your body begins to show you things. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, not only is your body showing you things, but you're walking through different things. Most of us, what I'm telling you is stuff you already know. But you probably aren't doing anything about it. Here's some practical warnings. 
You know what? When you live a divided life, can I just tell you what happens? You have the risk of sinful choices increases. Just temptations. Man, why am I being tempted so much? Why am I? Why is all this stuff happening to me? Why is it like the devil getting in my brain and my mind? And I'm thinking these things. I get in my Bible and I'm thinking like crazy thoughts. Why is it the devil waits until you're good and tired? Can I just give you caution to the wind? Let me, let me just say, if your life is divided, why do you think great men, businessmen, pastors, other people that fall in different areas in their life because they've lived a divided life and they're not living a healthy thing and they're not taking the warning signs in their own life? Man, I'm having heart palpitations. Maybe God's trying to tell you something. God was trying to tell me stuff with my cancer, but I was avoiding it. I'll just be honest. I'll just be straight up. It's going to gross some of you out, but I'm just going to tell you. I went on a run, and I, I, when, I looked, when I came back from a run, you go to the bathroom, right? Okay, you got it? And I had blood in the toilet. And I thought, oh, my dad had hemorrhoids. I'm about the age. He always had a tube of preparation H on the back of his toilet. I was like, we don't have to keep this in the message. We can cut this out. But, <laughs> but I'm, I've been bleeding for a while. Just a little bit. But then the one day it just like bled. And I went to my wife and she was like, you're going to the doctor. I go, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, you are. I don't need to go to the doctor. I probably got hemorrhoids. We went to the doctor and I didn't have hemorrhoids. I had cancer. Can I just tell you something? If I would have been listening to my body, can I just... And seeing and recognizing the signs and acknowledging them for what they were, I probably wouldn't have gone through as much stuff as I did. Yeah, but I'm li- I lived out some of the consequences of not heeding to the warning. Is that, are you hearing me? And for some of you, in your health, you need to heed to the warning. In your marriage, there may be things in your marriage that you're not heeding to. In your marriage, and you need to heed to. There's things that God's trying to show you with your kids, and you're just going, oh, that's just a stage. That's just something they're going to go through. You need to heed to the warning. Your emotions get inconsistent. You know, you're yelling all the time. You're flying off the handle. You're yelling at cars that can't even hear you. You become less productive. You go, well, you got to take the Sabbath. You got to learn to rest. You got to learn to recover. You got to replenish your soul. Let me talk to you guys. And I know in our culture, they make us work seven days or 14 days straight in the oil field. But you need to learn to have a Sabbath. That doesn't miss, that, and, and learn to rest your soul. That doesn't just mean coming to church on Sunday. That means you practice and you learn to rest. Can I tell you from someone who had a hard time learning how to rest? For years, I didn't go on vacation. For years, I didn't do things. I got to do things. I don't, you know? God wants you to relax, rest, get replenished. You're just, you know, you just can't go to church. Sometimes what you need to learn to do, look at me. Can, are y'all looking at me? All right. Sometimes, here's a great suggestion. Sometimes you might need to sit around the table with your family. And a great thing, I suggest, eat dinner together. What a revelation. Wow. Or look at your wife one day and go, hey, babe, you want to go for a walk? Then you can pick her up after she's fainted. 
Then you can go to a, for a walk. But you just don't know how to enjoy each other. You forgot how to enjoy the things that God's given you. Hello? I ain't got time. I gotta do this. I gotta do this. I'm like, what? Can I tell you something? I used to be Pastor Bubba that could do everything. So I found out I became, when I try to do everything, I become pastor disaster. And then sometimes, you know what happens when you're living life so busy? I hear this all the time. Pastor, I can't hear God's voice. I don't know how to hear God. I can't hear God. Is your world quiet enough where he can, you can hear him? Because look at me. He's speaking. He's speaking. He's talking to you. You need to learn to quiet your soul. We got so much going on. We never take the time to be quiet. And the Bible says he's got a still, small voice. It's not, ah! It's like this, just being quiet. Go and find a place to sit down. Enjoy a hummingbird. You hear what I'm saying? God's sad. When's the last time you went and looked at the stars? You're too busy. Is there a moon out during the day right now? You're too busy. When's the last time you just wanted to go spend together, time together as a couple? You're too busy. When's the last time... You were going to do something for the kids, but you keep putting it off. You're just too busy. You got to learn to quiet your soul so you can hear God. God speaking. Are y'all with me? Psalms 46.10, be still and know I'm God. You know what? Turn off Facebook when the first thing you get up in the morning. Put your face in the book and turn off Facebook. Well, it was spiritual. Don't read that stuff first thing. Listen, the first thing in the morning, what you ought to be doing is you make things first. Shut out all the other voices and listen to God. And can, I'm giving you a warning. Stop whatever you're doing and make God first in your day. Seek him in the morning. Take 15 minutes and put him first and see what God does. what I love about my wife. I get up in the morning. She, a lot of times she gets up before me. Sometimes I get up before her. But I love walking in the kitchen. She's already got her tea or her coffee, whatever she's into, okay? And she's sitting there reading a book, her devotion book. She's reading her Bible, and she's writing notes. It provokes the heck out of me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because she's already spent 30 minutes before I got up. She's probably praying for him. Lord, help that knucklehead. <laughs> no, she didn't think that. But she's praying other things. See, unfortunately, Belazar didn't heed the warning. Daniel says this. Then Belazar commanded Daniel, uh, command, uh, Belazar's command. Daniel was clothed in purple and gold chain, was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. And Daniel was like, I don't want that, man. Listen, that very night, 
That very night, Belazar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius took the kingdom. We'll talk about Darius next week. So what can we learn from this prophetic book? Three things real quickly, and we'll be done. Okay, I'm going to wrap it up. Okay, is that all right? Okay. Number one, you need to learn to live, a, have a sense of purpose and urgency in your life. Your life matters, and you need to give yourself to something bigger than your problems. Did you hear what I said? Give your life to something that's bigger than your problems. You have to live for something. You know, if you come be a part of our, our Savior's church, we have first step, then we have next step, then we have leader step. We're just trying to get you in a growth pattern. We're just trying to provoke you to grow, get a devotion life, and, and, and start living for something that's bigger than you. Your greatest days in your life is the day you were born and the day you find out why you were born. Today, make a difference in, in, in some, you know, God wants you, you know, here's a cry of my heart. God, help me to make a difference in someone's life today. When I get up in the morning, God, just help me to make a difference. God, help me when I go wherever I'm going that I'm never afraid to talk to people that my conversation would somehow go turn around and we talk about Jesus. That I be able to present the good news of where, what they need in their life to make their life find out what their life purpose is all about. You see, Psalm says it like this. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth is. Remind me that my days are numbered. And that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. Entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. The second thing is, is if, if, you're, if your life is out of order, put first things first. If you want to get, you, you get, if you want to get your time in order, start with the most important things first. Just like I shared a while ago. First things are, see, let me just, order determines capacity. What does that mean? If you get things in order, it, you're able to do more things in your life. If your life is in order, see, if you don't have an orderly life, you don't have a, a structure to your life, when you get up, I've learned this. If I don't make plans for my day, people will try to plan my day for me. And I don't get anything accomplished. How many of you are talking about? Sometimes I don't need to answer the phone because God's trying to speak to me or I'm talking to someone and it's a distraction. I don't need to be doing that. I mean, I've been on phone with somebody and, and I say, oh man, they're calling. I pick it up and I can hold on. And I call and it was a distraction. And I said, man, I, hey man, I'm going to have to call. I've learned this. And, hey, I'll call you back. I'll just call you back. I might hang up on you like that. Just believe me, I'm, I'm doing something that's important. You know what I mean? Sometimes we just go, oh, I got to do this, I got to do this. Oh, but damn. And your life is so crazy because you haven't put God first and you try to put, doing all this stuff when God's saying, what have I called you to do? Is this your purpose? Psalms 90, it's not, you know, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Wow. 
Always be conscious of the first part of the day, first part of the week, first part of your finance. You know, it's the first part. When you wake up, first thing you do, there should be an order to it. Are you hearing me? I mean, I got in late last night. I went and watched that insane game last night. I got home at 3.30. Okay, listen, and I prayed, and where's Dwayne? He showed up in church. I brought him and his son, and I said, look, if, if I'm going to church tomorrow and preaching, you better show up. I saw you made it by second song. I told him, don't come in second quarter either. But we had a good time. But anyway, but I, I was praying this morning, Lord, unless you come, unless you come, I'm not getting up. Josh may preach this morning. Hello? God just met me. You see, first things first. First things have the power to impact the rest of, rest of the things. If you put God first, you get in the Bible first before you get your Facebook out first. Oh, what did so-and-so say? Nothing. I'm depressed. Wow, I'm depressed. They're, they're depressed. Instead of getting the word and go, God, renew me. Lord, thank you that you renew me day by day. That you restore my soul. You understand me? Matthew says, but seek. What does it say? But seek what? First. First his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be added to you. Live. This is what I want you to do. You learn to live with an urgency. Okay? Look at your schedule and see what is out of balance. Get the big things in your life organized. Don't put it off. Listen, if God's speaking to you right now, look at me. Don't put it off. The last point is this. Look at me. Do it now. God's spirit will not, will not always strive with us. He, the Bible says he won't always plead with us. He won't always come and warn us. He won't always speak to us. There'll come a day and a time when we want to do our own thing. We begin, to, we begin to live that life that we avoid the warning signs. We get out of balance. We become prideful. And we just get so stuck in our, in our world that we know there are things we need to do. and We just don't do it. God has given you a warning today. You want to, res- I want you, listen. You need to respond to him today. Listen to God. So you, you won't feel the pain of divided life. You won't feel the, the, the it all, listen, if you don't want that pain of divided life, it all starts with him. God has given you a warning. Let me just soak, soak this in. Second Corinthians, and I'm done. It's the last scripture I'm reading, I'm done. 2 Corinthians 6, 2. I tell you now. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the, time, is the day of salvation. Respond when it's a favorable time. See, look at me. This morning, for us, it's a favorable time. God may be speaking to you. God may be sharing with you. God's speaking to you. God's putting these little pricks in your heart. It's his conviction, and it's not his condemnation. Condemnation says you'll never get out of it. You'll always be the same. You're just a barnacle on the bottom of a shrimp boat in Delcom and Cameron, whatever. God's saying, no, no, I love you. Come to me. I want to help you. Your life is out of balance. Can I just bring, I'm showing, God's showing you. God's speaking into your heart and your mind, and he's saying, you need to start off the day with me. Quiet your soul so you can hear me. 
I just want to pray for all of us today because this is a message for all of us, including me. No one's exempt from this message. This is, listen, this is a prophetic book speaking to us. As it spoke then, it's speaking to us today. The Bible is a living, it's the living word of God. It's alive. It knows how to get in our life and do some surgery and get out the stuff that, that's been adding excess. It's kind of like when you put on weight, you don't move as quick. God's saying, let's cut the fat. Some of you here today, you need to respond to God's voice today. He's been speaking to you for a long time. Just respond to God. Well, Pastor Bubba, you know, what's my part, Pastor Bubba? Uh, Bubba? What, what do I have to do? Can I just, can I give you the answer? Surrender. Surrender. That's your part. Stop trying to control your life and do it yourself. Surrender your life to him. And guess what happens? You quit trying and your life, you know, you, you keep trying to get, you know, he, he keeps trying to get your attention. And he's just speaking to you, but you're living in a divided life. And you can't hear him. Hey, let, me, let me just say this. Look at me. I'm going to pray. But I want to say this too. God's not mad at you. See, that's a, you know, I remember as a kid, I grew up in South Louisiana, so I know. People try to put fears on you, little gris and You know, when it's lightning and you're afraid, God's mad at you. You better pray to St. Barnabas. What? I don't know all that. St. who? They don't even know what the saint does. What you need to do is call on the saints of God that will pray. So I just want to pray for you this morning. Is that all right? And listen, as I pray, if you just feel like, you know, Pastor Bubba, there are things that I need to surrender. Just, you know, and if you, if you feel like you need to come to the altar, surrender. Well, I want to give you that, that opportunity, that moment to come. But it doesn't have to be at the altar. It can be. I'm not against that. But I think sometimes we just need to make an altar where we are. And go, God, here I am. You're speaking. You're giving. I've seen the warning signs. The handwriting's on the wall. My marriage can't keep going like this. My life can't be happening like I can't be doing this with my children. Man, I've got anger issues. I've got issues. I'm always mad at my husband. I'm always mad at my wife. Or God, help me. I'm a, I pick people apart. Oh, God, help me to stop doing that. Let's pray. Just lift your hands the Lord this morning. Father, I thank you. I thank you that God, that this morning we sent your Holy Spirit speaking to us. Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. We don't want to put you off. God, we don't want to make excuses this morning. But God, we come. We hear your voice. We sense those things that you speak. Even as a message, I, as, I, as, I, as I preach this morning, I just, God, you're speaking to me about things even in my own life. It's like doing that inventory. And that's just, that's the lovely way that you move. The Bible says you're no respecter of persons, God. You don't look and go, well, I can't do that because of this, this, and that. We put those things on us. But Lord, this morning, we thank you that I, I know that we have an open heaven. Now, God, because we have an open heaven to you, forgive us. 
Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our shame. Forgive us of our guilt that we carry. And, and we allow the enemy just to rob us of what, God, that you want to do in our hearts and our lives. God, break our hearts this morning. Give us, give us a tender heart to receive all that you want to do. Let us learn to quiet our soul. Oh, God, quiet our soul. Maybe we can hear you. They've been here sometimes when you just want to say, hey, I love you. I like you. I like watching you. I like helping you. That blesses me. Father, I pray that we would just be a people that would just long to hear your voice and to know you. I pray that, God, that you would just come and that you would meet every person. Lord, I cancel every lie, every, every assignment of the enemy over people's minds and their hearts and their lives and their marriages and their children, their businesses, their finances. And Lord, I pray that we would have ears to hear, ears to hear what you want to speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Look at me and I'm going to be done.